0: If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to pick it up, turn to John 4. If you don't have one with you, there should be a black one in the pew in front of you. Or you can find it electronically, John chapter 4. I wasn't planning to start here until hearing that song, but I'm going to do it real quick. If you in the room think, God's not going to use me because, blank. As Justin just spoke over, as as Holly just sang over us in the room, you know that's the way that God works like throughout the Bible. Uh, I uh, went to a cemetery, seminary, I'll joke uh, for 17 years and I put off preaching class on purpose because sometimes I get things stuck in my mouth and they come out wrong. In fact, Not just sometimes, if you were with us a few weeks ago, I tried to say the water bottle hydro flask, put the McKinney sticker on it. I didn't even know I said it in this service, but I said, put the McKinney sticker on your flask and take it to work or to school. (laughs) So that kind of stuff happens to me a lot. The Bible talks about that God holds teachers to a higher standard, and I've I've always struggled with the other standards in the Bible, and I was like, I didn't want that. So I was five years into seminary before taking my first preaching class because I'd put it off, and one of the guys in the preaching class taught the class through Moses being called at the burning bush. Maybe you know the story. God says to Moses, come, I'm going to send you to deliver my people, and I'm going to fast forward. There's a whole lot more in the, st- the story. In fact, we sung a little of it just now. But in the end, Moses says, I can't do that. I don't speak well. If you back up in the story and you think about what's going on, Moses is telling God, I don't speak well enough for you to use me to talk to your people. And God is speaking to Moses through a plant. And the guy's point in the room and it's stuck with me ever since is this. It was this is his point: You're better than a bush." So I, so I don't know if you think God can't use me, but if, if God can use a plant, He can use you. And today we're going to talk about just the uncomfortableness un, there, there's my great speaking ability. My, un, the uncomfortableness. That comes with engaging our neighbors. Uh, th- we, we've all heard we're supposed to love our neighbor, even if you didn't grow up in church. And uh, if you're here today and you don't have a church background, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're here. God loves you. All of us were first timers at one point, so you're in great company. But you've probably heard at one point you're supposed to love your neighbor. Uh, and so it's not, this is not a series about guilt and saying, okay, you should do this more. Uh, what we're wanting to do in our services and in our groups is to try to help all of us take a step forward in applying because if, if God gives us this command and even says it's the greatest command in Scripture to love God and love our neighbor, this will bring glory to God, but it will also be good for us. Uh, the instructions in the Bible are not given to us so that God can catch us doing things wrong. Uh, They do guide us to Christ. They're a tutor that leads us to our Savior. But God loves us. It's it's like he said, hey, there's a pantry of good things and there's a cabinet with chemicals. Don't go to the chemicals. So he wants to guide us to what's good for us, right? And so we want to help all of us take a step forward in that. And through this series, I've been telling uh, kind of funny stories about my neighbors and things that they've done to surprise me, because in our stories, I want to point out the surprises in the story. A few years ago, I had a neighbor who during the, y'all know that fall started this week? It feels like it, doesn't it? It's going to only be 128, I think, today. I hopefully don't exaggerate in my sermons, but I just did then. It's hot. Fall started this week. In the fall season, in front of his house, he put up a a friendly scarecrow with a pumpkin head on their front porch. This is actually a very similar photo. It's not the actual photo. It actually looks like their front porch, interestingly enough, and their scarecrow. He said the scarecrow had um, gloves on its hands, and it had uh, shoes on its feet. Well, over time in Texas, scarecrows with pumpkin heads start to look a little more sad, I'll just say. Now, this was a neighbor, and we had uh, gotten to know this neighbor, and so I had made the mistake of giving this neighbor a key to our house and a key to the backyard fence, and he decided to bring the scarecrow that was looking a little more sad into our backyard, one night now the house that we were living in it's not our current home was built like this it was l-shaped and on this side of the bottom floor was a living area and garage and in living area and garage that living area had uh, two glass doors that looked out into the backyard on this side was the master bedroom and bathroom And you could look into the backyard, but you could also look a little bit into the living area through those glass doors. Well, I walk into the bathroom at night. Uh, God blessed me with it being a moonlit evening. And I looked out the window. And looking in at my girls was the scariest creature I had ever seen And I don't know if you've ever had the hair stand up on the back of your neck so much that it actually pushed your collar off and started to choke you from the front. I mean, it was like, I was like, like, what is that? Uh, To say I was surprised would have been an understatement. When I was talking with that neighbor about this story this week and actually looking for actual photos, my daughter reminded me what we did to be a good loving neighbor and get them back. <laughs> so I'll share that with you. We went over that evening with the scarecrow and we thought, what are we gonna do? If you ever turned the breaking and entering? We actually didn't do that. The reason you say breaking and entering on a house is because the door, front door of your house goes which way? In, they had a front porch, and it was actually, yeah, I think her idea. I don't know. It was we, we had fun with it. We put the scarecrow on the roof in front of their porch and we tied a rope to the scarecrow and down to their door. And we were blessed to have our neighbor's bride open the door and have descend from on high. It's awesome. Surprised her back. Why do we go there? Well, one, we're in this series on Loving Neighbor, and that's not loving. Two, we're making fun of me, actually, because I'm terrible. I get afraid easily. But three, we want you to see what's surprising in actually the stories that we're walking through. Uh, The first story was the story of the Good Samaritan. And what was surprising in the story was not that God... Jesus on earth was affirming that we're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. What was surprising is who loved the neighbor, the Samaritan, not the priest or the Levite, the Samaritan. And what did the Samaritan do? The Samaritan went across the street to the neighbor. The others did the opposite. They stayed far away and we we challenged the church to, hey, if you want to show love to, you got to get close to is kind of what we did. Second story was Mary and Martha. What was surprising in the story was not that Martha let them in their house. That was good. She was showing hospitality. What was surprising is Jesus wasn't doing dishes. Jesus was prioritizing being present with Mary, and Mary was prioritizing being present with him. And Martha didn't really understand. And we challenged us to be prioritizing presence. Today, today we're going to challenge all of us. I think hopefully God's word will challenge all of us to step through what is uncomfortable to start conversations with those around us. If you have a hard time engaging conversations, if you have a hard time just in any level engaging in relationships that maybe for you are difficult or awkward or uncomfortable, I want you to see what God's Word says in John chapter four. In order to honor God's Word, I wanna invite you to stand. I'm gonna start reading in verse one. I won't have you stand through the whole story because it goes all the way to verse 42. So just, I'll be loving to you. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his long hike, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour or noon that day. God, help us see through your word today your Savior, Jesus, and help us see through his example what you want us to see. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus is walking through Samaria. If you're with us a few weeks ago, we talked about the Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. The Jews considered the Samaritans half-breeds, religiously and physically. The Jews had intermarried during a time of exile. The Samaritans were now worshiping in a different place, not in Jerusalem. And there was this great conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. A lot of authors made it a big deal of the fact that a lot of Jews would actually walk around Samaria when they were taking the journey that Jesus was taking. Not all of them would, Josephus I think actually one of the Jewish historians corrects some of those commentary writers but we know there was great tension and Jesus is now walking in the Samaritan area and if you were a Jew you would try to ignore not engage with those around you Jesus goes and he sits down at a well it's noon a little bit more here background women at this point in time were and We talked about this last, year, uh, last week, story of Mary and Martha. Women were not engaged in the same way by men when it was public. Uh, for a Jewish man to engage in conversation with a woman, especially one-on-one, was abnormal. Rabbis would even teach you shouldn't do that with your wife. You shouldn't talk to her one-on-one in public. So not only is there a, a tension, and then we add to that the fact that Most that tell us the way it worked at that point in time for the culture, the women would actually go early in the morning or late in the evening after it was dark and the cool of the day as a group together to get water from the well. That was the typical custom. So this woman that Jesus is about to talk to at the well was trying to avoid people. Verse 7, a woman... From Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, What? What's gonna be surprising in the story is actually not what Jesus is gonna teach, and what's, what he's gonna teach is super important, so we're gonna talk about it. What's gonna surprise in the story, the woman at the well, and is also gonna surprise the disciples is that Jesus is gonna step through what is comfortable for the Jew, and he's gonna have a conversation with a Samaritan woman. What's surprising in the story is that this conversation even happens. Y'all with me? This is the scarecrow. He's talking to a woman at the well. Watch the dialogue. He said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. will be thirsty again. Whatever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty Or have to come here to draw water. This conversation even happening is surprising. But what Jesus says in this conversation is so important. Jesus is wanting to offer to this woman the only thing that can truly satisfy. Uh, Jesus knows that if you drink from anything that the world has to offer, you're going to be thirsty again. There's only one thing that can satisfy our souls and that is Jesus himself. Jesus knows this. Now, maybe you've never really heard the Bible talk about the water that is living versus the other water. I'm going to show you a cistern, a cistern in Israel. Uh, The Bible talks about cisterns or wells often. You look at that water, do you think you want to get a drink out of that water? A a cistern or a well was stagnant water, and so the people knew and they even saw that most of the time that well was not as good to drink. And so Jesus uses the parallel of living water, and that would be water that is flowing, usually coming from a spring. And so that flowing water coming from a stream would be better. And he says, this is a well the world has to offer. I am living water I'm water that can be offered to you a spring that will well up in you that you will be satisfied from now on even eternally he uses the word eternal life zoe the life that will satisfy forever it's what he wants to offer her it's what he wants to offer you and me in the old testament Jeremiah chapter 2 at one point God speaks to his people these words my people have committed two sins They've forsaken me the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Have you done that? Have you gone to something else for satisfaction? This woman has, I have, and so have you. What has she gone to? Well, uh, as we read, Jesus is gonna put his finger on the thing that I think We see in her life that she's gone to to seek satisfaction in and it didn't satisfy. So what did she do? She had to go back for another drink and another drink and another drink and it was relationships. Relationships with men. Watch what happens, verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. Okay, does this look like an uncomfortable conversation right now? (laughs) He's stepping in right now to the uncomfortable for this conversation. You've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband, so she's with someone that she's not married to. What you have said is true. Hey, if you're in the room here and you've been remarried, uh, there is love and grace. God forgives, praise God. This is not picking on you. If you have parents that have been remarried, God redeems and he gives life and a future. And I'm so thankful for that. But what he's doing, I think, is putting his finger on what she has gone to for satisfaction. What we go to for satisfaction is also what we end up worshiping. Y'all know that? Uh, if, if, if you and your life are going to for satisfaction, physical exercise, you, you, you will find yourself ending up worshiping that over time, if that's what you're really going to to satisfy your soul. Your job, your friend group. Students in high school, for me, it was so hard to not really go to my peers' opinion of me and try to impress my peers as my source of satisfaction. Watch, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. No, you think? Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where the people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain, this was Mount Gerizim, where the the people who were Samaritans would worship, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Your translation might say in spirit and in truth. There's actually in this reading right here, there's only one preposition, which means that Jesus is describing one characteristic. He's like truly spiritual worship. It's, the, the, true worshipers will worship the father in truly spiritual ways for the father is seeking such people to worship him God is looking for worship we get to engage in worship and as we worship him you know what happens he strips the other things that we're going to for satisfaction and he gives us himself and he is the only one that can satisfy seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and not in truth, but in spirit and truths. truly spiritual worship. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said, continuing this conversation, Jesus said to her, I, who speak to you, am he. Whoa <sighs> What's going on? Today, the point that I want to make, uh, through this passage is in pointing out what's surprising. And w- as we keep going, we'll see the disciples surprised by it. We're going to see her step into it in her own life and have these uncomfortable conversations, even in her community. But Jesus steps through the Samaritan division, he steps through the woman division, he steps through. We see as we read the story, the sin separation, it's probably why she was there at noon because everyone in the community saw her as maybe a promiscuous woman, which was the the cultural taboo, like she was the one wearing the scarlet letter. And Jesus steps through what would have been comfortable to to, to stay back and not engage. He steps through that to start this conversation. The conversation though is not about her not not about how cool Jews are (laughs) the conversation is about Jesus Um, I'm gonna sit on the porch here in the uh, the rocker for just a minute Uh, (sighs) church family I next week am going to be headed out for a little while on a sabbatical When I say for a little while, it's like uncomfortably even long for me. Like I'm gonna be away for one, two, almost three months on a sabbatical. Uh, It's such a gift that God is extending an opportunity for me to not focus on what does he wanna say through me, but instead, what does he wanna say to me? and to work on my own faith life, focus on that for a season. And and I pray that he's going to help me come back healthier, stronger follower of Christ. That's that's my prayer. I'm not planning to come back with two new stone tablets from the mountain and say, we have a new mission. We're gonna do everything different. That's not what I'm planning to do. Really not. I'm planning to to say, God, what are you saying to me? Okay. Uh, I want you to know on no level, I've talked to pastors that are afraid when they're away that everything's gonna, everything's gonna go crazy. I'm not afraid of that, you know why? Because I don't lead alone here at all. And there's incredible leaders all throughout this room that are doing the work of the ministry. The staff team is phenomenal. I'm I'm not, genuinely am not concerned at all about what what I'm concerned about is actually missing y'all. I'm concerned about like tomorrow afternoon struggling not to text all my friends in the room here and say hey what are you doing uh, like that my, my, my family is going to keep coming to church on Sundays here I'm going to be going to different churches and that's going to feel I'm going to miss y'all okay I believe it's a unique opportunity for us because we're on a in a series also that's topical on loving neighbors And I'm telling you my stories and giving you my perspective on passages around loving neighbor. And God is going to bring into this room incredible communicators. We're going to hear from Alan Parr, who's really changing the world with his gifts right now. And from Warren Samuels, one of our own that y'all know and love, speaking into how we can love neighbors. I'm so excited. And I'm going to listen to the talks too, for the record, because I want to learn. Okay. So I'm I'm so excited, But, but here's my, here's if I have any fear related to this series, it's that you might think that if you love your neighbor well enough, then you're gonna get right with God. Or if you love your neighbor well enough, then you're gonna satisfy your soul. Jesus alone is the living water The way that you get right with God is through the Messiah who is Jesus. The conversation that we're having around engaging our neighbors is not we want to do this so that they can get to know us and by them knowing us, they're going to be so blessed because we're great. That's not it at all, is it? No. The plan that Jesus put in place to save the world is you and I going to love the world and discipling them to follow Christ. We are God's plan A from the beginning. And so as we encourage you to love your neighbor, church family, and as I'm away from you, I'm praying that you would know the love of Jesus like the, the prayer I've been praying over you and I will be praying over you daily is a prayer out of Ephesians chapter three where we, we get to read Paul just pour out his prayers. And he says, for this reason, reason I bow my knee before the Father from every family on heaven and earth that's been named that according to his riches of his mercy, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and know the love of Christ God that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I, I'm, I pray daily that you would know how much he loves you and that you would take that love to others. That's God's plan, not just for the pastor that stands on the stage. In fact, on some level, when God put me here, he called me out of ministry to equip the saints for the work of ministry so that you and I can go and engage in conversations like Jesus did, like his disciples learned they should to point people to the hope of the world. His name is Jesus. Y'all know that, right? He just used the words, the Messiah, the Christ. There's a real kingdom, a real king. His name is Jesus. He's the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and is loved by his grace. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sin. He rose again. And he's coming back. Repent, believe, follow him. You get to be part of his kingdom now and forever. So Jesus is wanting this woman to to know this living water. And so he, he, he steps through what's comfortable to have the conversation. And we want you to do that too. Uh, this week, we've given you kind of opportunities to step over the next few weeks. This week in our, our groups, we're talking about two things. One, in our groups, we're talking about what is it that's uncomfortable for you when it, when it comes to having engagement, conversations, just stepping across to get to know your neighbor. We're talking about that. And then the second thing we're asking you, similar to last week, we're asking you to put on your calendar a time to love your neighbor. This week, the calendar time is just to pray that God would help you overcome what's uncomfortable. That's what we're asking you to do this week in our groups. And if you do, I believe it'll change everything. We're going to read about how it changes things. Before we do that, I want you to watch this little video clip and then we'll see it in the rest of this story. Watch this clip.
1: Carissa Parrish. I have a husband named Christopher and five children. I am part of the deaf ministry. Um, I have also served in the youth at different times. So one Sunday I was driving home from church, I was by myself, and I saw an elderly gentleman kind of sitting up against a um, retaining wall and he was just kind of leaned forward and I had this thought, I hope he's okay. So the next thought was you should go check on him and i kept on driving and the thought came again you should just check and make sure he's okay so i turned around parked the car kind of approached him but stayed back so i wouldn't scare him or anything said the lord told me i should come and check on you i wanted to just introduce myself and i just went on for i don't know how long and then the next thing you know he leans forward and goes huh he couldn't hear a word i said (laughs) he was hard of hearing or something and so I went and got back in my car to drive away, and he, I looked out my window and he was going past me and waving goodbye, running up a hill. I thought, this man's in better shape than me. I don't know what you're trying to teach me, Lord, but fine. I obeyed. I went and said hi to him. And so one day I was leaving Walmart, and as I was getting ready to turn to come back home, um, a lady was walking. I thought, she's so pretty. Um, And then the very next thought was you should tell her and I said no way (laughs) And I drove off and then the next thought that came to mind was She may never have had anybody tell her in her life, that she's pretty you need to tell her So I reluctantly turned around parked found her as she was walking and approached her and Started talking with her. I did the same thing that I did with that gentleman where I just started kind of rambling introduced myself, said, I just wanted to let you know that I saw you walking, and I just think you're so pretty. And she leaned over with her phone, and she pulled up a Google Translate. She understood nothing that I said. She was she was speaking Spanish. And so I thought, yeah, here we are again, Lord. You're having me be obedient, and I have no idea why. I don't understand. We started communicating with a translator app. We got together for coffee, and in the process, I mentioned to her that our church has an ESL ministry which I am also has been a part of on Wednesdays. And um, I asked her if she was ever interested in learning or improving her English. She said yes. So I started picking her up um, on Wednesdays to take her to the ESL class. We've been bringing her to the ESL class on Wednesdays, to church on Sundays. It's just amazing how God works these things out as long as we're obedient if we're just obedient to what he's leading us to do. It takes time to pull over your car and get out and talk to somebody. It's a little nerve-wracking at first. Um, obviously, I'm fighting him on doing it. And, but when I do, I'm blessed. Um, in some way or another, I'm blessed. You'll never know the impact that you can have on another life unless you just step out in obedience.
0: I love Carissa's story because she's stepping through what's comfortable, right? To have the conversation. And I want you to see how the story continues as, as you see the impact of what happened in her life. She's now engaged in this person's life and it's, she's part of our church now. The person that she was showing love to. Verse 27, then his disciples came back and they marveled. Again, they were surprised. What, that Jesus was talking about living water? No, they were surprised that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left with her water jar and went away into the town. And watch, she now engages in the conversation. She passes through what was uncomfortable. The people she was avoiding at noon at the well said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? (laughs) Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. He's trying to help them see their opportunities to step through what's comfortable and have the conversation with those that are around them. Already the one who reaps is receiving the wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. There's great joy in these relationships that God has placed in front of us. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into that labor. Every conversation we have could just be seeds we're planting. It doesn't mean we're gonna get to see God work every time, but we get to sow or reap. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of what? Because of what? Because of the woman's testimony. Because she stepped through to what was comfortable and she had the conversation. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman it is no longer because of what you said that we believe for we have heard for ourselves and how beautiful is that when we see it in the lives of those we love when they know Jesus not just because of us having a conversation but they know him they truly know him for ourselves we have know that this is indeed the savior of the world what would it look like for you to step through the comfortable to start a conversation yesterday morning We had a meeting at our church with our sister church, the McKinney First, and I walked into the office restroom, and this greeted me. Uh, We have an amazing staff that likes to scare their pastor. I think I've learned that if I share stories about mannequins scaring me, then those that love me decide they're going to scare me. But wrapped around this mannequin was an incredible, our staff team has just been super sweet to me. This was a, a blanket that they had sewed together with the different areas of our church and their signatures on it saying, Sam, we love you for me to, to take for my sabbatical. That's just like super cool. Uh, they surprised me with showing me love in that way. What we get to do is surprise those around us by showing them that Jesus loves them. That's what we get to do. Last night, I was in a group of men and I was having a conversation with a man who said to me, Sam, I hope I don't offend you. And then he put his hand on my shoulder and I'm like, I don't know what's about to come next. So I hope I don't, I hope I don't offend you. He said, but I see myself as a minister. And I'm like, awesome. He said, I, I'm in business right now not to make money as much as I'm in business right now to share the story of what Jesus has done in my life. And then he shared how God had used his work platform to help other people come to Christ. Super encouraging conversation of someone loving his neighbors at work. I turn around, I get a bratwurst. Another guy walks up to me and said, hey, Sam, I'm new at First McKinney. And he said, he tells me his story. He had just gotten finished with military stuff. He owns a company that does pools. But he said this, I tell our staff all the time, we're not in the business of cleaning pools. We're in the business of making disciples. He said, I I use that as an opportunity to engage in conversation with them. I lead them in Bible study. He said, three weeks ago, we had two guys place their faith in Christ. They were baptized two weeks ago. I'm like, that's awesome. This morning, this morning, I had someone come up to me and say, let me tell you a story of something that happened in church last week. I'm like, what happened? She said, there was someone in church that we recognized from work. We find out her brother was on an airplane not long ago with somebody here that said, hey, you should come to church. The brother came home, invited her to church. It was the first time she'd ever been in church in her life because someone engaged in a conversation. He wants to do that through you. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that you would help us to step through the comfortable to have a conversation. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to change everything. And God, I pray that we would know the joy that Jesus wanted his disciples to know, to be part of that harvest as we love our neighbors through stepping through the comfortable to have a conversation. Will you be honest with God for a second? Tell him what is it that's uncomfortable for you? Who is it that's hard for you to love? And ask him to help you step through that comfortable to have a conversation. In Jesus' name, amen. Smash the like button, subscribe, share with friends, and turn on notifications if you'd like to stay up to date with us. And thanks again for joining us.